When studying colonial history in college, I tried to imagine what it would be like to hear the masochistic ravings of the most famous Great Awakening preacher, Jonathan Edwards. What would it be like to hear him bellow, the God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like a fire and on and on and on for hours. Why would people flock to hear someone castigate us for our litany of sins? After all, there must have been some reason we made up the concept of sin. Aviad Kleinberg is correct when he starts his book titled Seven Deadly Sins, A Very Partial List by saying... Sin is a cultural construct. I'm not as quick to agree with his claim that Christianity was founded on sin, but the Bible does declare that humans were cast out of paradise to lead difficult, challenging lives because Adam and Eve dared to eat from the tree of knowledge. Do our deadly sins condemn us to living hell? Dante went into great detail about seven human characteristics for which we all must pay. Pride, sloth, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, greed. What a collection! While I reject the label sinner, I don't pretend humans are saints. We lie, we cheat, we pillage, we can do evil things. In a chapter entitled, The Shadow of Sin, Felix Adler writes, No one can escape doing evil. He need not go out of his way to seek occasion. Let him see to it that he improves the occasion when it comes, as it inevitably will, to his spiritual advantage. In other words, let's learn from our shortcomings and curb the excesses of our imperfect biological nature. Now, that was closer to the approach taken by pioneers in humanistic psychology, like Charlotte Bueller. She stressed the positive and self-regulating agency of human beings. Our basic inclinations are not to sin in seven deadly ways. Our desires are more mundane. Desires for comfort or creativity, order. As Bueller's friend and colleague Abraham Maslow wrote, As far as I know, we just don't have any intrinsic instincts for evil. Now that's the starting point for ethical humanism and other progressive congregational movements like Unitarian Universalism. David Breeden of the First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis interprets the seven deadly sins simply as internal instinctive drives that when overindulged lead to poor personal health and Antisocial actions. Overindulgence is, for Breeden, not an affront to God, but a failure in genuine love for nature and humanity. How should humanists responsibly check hurtful desires? How should we nurture genuine love of good things? Let me offer three common sense prescriptions. First, let's humbly accept our shortcomings. Second, let's nurture moderation. And third, let's strive to share the good things in life. 
Now, on the first, accepting our shortcomings, it seems to me that this is about a paradox at the heart of the human experience, something that Reinhold Niebuhr emphasized, the fact that while we live in this world, we can imagine a better one. We have this inevitable gap in our minds between our ideals and our lived existence. We have to accept that. What are the alternatives? Well, I can imagine three false escapes, if you will. The first is we could deny our ideals and accept things as they are and do nothing. Number two, we could turn to mechanisms of escape, as Niebuhr writes. Obliterate our anxiety or desensitize it by losing ourselves in drink or drugs. Or, number three, we could deny the existential gap between our behavior and our ideals by joining a cult or dissolving into some mystical state of rapture, thus denying our autonomy and our responsibility. But I think a more noble path, or at least a more human path, is to acknowledge the gap between our ideals and our actual behavior, and to carry the weight of unfulfilled aspirations while trying to do better. There are so many people in the world struggling to survive. We don't help them by being all wrapped up in analyzing sin. How about nurturing moderation? How do we do that? I mean, is it as simple as the advice etched into the Temple of Apollo in Greece, which reads, nothing too much? It's advice that Aristotle drew from his study of animals and plants. He saw how they flourished when avoiding extremes of drought or flood or burning sunlight or icy darkness. Many indigenous worldviews follow a similar path, being more respectful for the balance inherent in nature than most of us addicted to consumer culture appreciate. These views show how moderation helps us grow. For Aristotle, reason helps guide us so that bodily needs are appeased in the right way, in the right place, at the right time. I mean, it's good to enjoy pleasurable things. The middle ground, which some call a golden mean, is between too much and too little of everything. Can we enjoy all things in moderation? My humanism embraces a middle way when navigating the Christian-dominated world of extremes of light and dark and good and evil, God and the devil. In humanism, needs and desires of the body are not really right or wrong. Perhaps they're appropriate or inappropriate, depending on the time and place, but I don't declare them sinful. If we accept who we are, and if we seek moderation, we may find it easier to share good things with others. When we're all internally wrapped up battling sins within us, we can get pretty darn self-consumed. No one is perfect, and we shouldn't demand it of ourselves or others. While I don't use the word sin very often, I do embrace what Jesus was getting at when he confronted a mob about to attack a woman accused of adultery. He said, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. We waste precious time and energy punishing ourselves and others 
for simply being animals, which seems silly since we are animals after all. Focusing on deadly sins and the damnation they entail distracts us from the needs of the world. The sin, damnation, and evil that so occupied Jonathan Edwards' attention seems like a bad use of our resources. What if instead of flagellating ourselves, we put a bit more effort into sharing the good things in life with millions of other people struggling to survive? What can we do to extend them the pleasures we are lucky to enjoy and sometimes overindulge? As humanists, let's reject the punishing concept of sin while nurturing moderation. By humbly accepting our shortcomings, we may find ourselves more able to share the good things in life with others. In Good We Trust is recorded at the Philadelphia Ethical Society in Philadelphia, PA. For more information about us, visit phillyethics.org or follow us on Instagram at phillyethics.org.